in Matthew chapter 5, if you've if you got your Bibles. I want to talk about the Beatitudes this morning. And I want to share something with you this morning. There's something about those passages of Scripture that's overlooked so often. Because really, it's God teaching us how to be examples or testimonies in the world. All right? I found in my life, I'm going to share something with you. I had a, last night I couldn't sleep very much. Uh, there are some things in my life right now God's putting in place, and, and it's a little uncomfortable, okay? Because I'm not, I want to know where I should be with the Lord, okay? And it's just me. You might be okay. You all might be all ready to go. But I still have some issues, praise God. And I started, I started seeing things as God was speaking to me in the night. Listen, when I had that happen, I dream, man. I just, things happen. It's just, but I was wondering this morning as I was uh, waking up, the Lord spoke to my heart. He's, and he said, son, are you ready to do my will? I said, man, are you ready to obey me? You see, there's some things that, that has to happen for us to obey the will of God. Because there's some sacrifices that have to be made. There's some surrendering that has to be done. And I learned that as I was, he was speaking to me. He said, son, are you ready to do my will? Well, God, I thought I was doing okay. But there are things in my life. Listen, I know without a shadow of doubt, God has called me to pastor this little church. For now, I have no other direction. I believe God has called me, okay? And that's just, that's me. But I can't let nothing of the world hinder that. You get what I'm saying? I can't let nothing of the world say otherwise because what matters to me more than anything right now, number one, my family, and number two, this family, because he has a word for us. He's trying to teach us his will. You understand what I'm, I'm getting, coming from this morning? It's not what Lanny wills. It's what God wills. And I said to myself, there are things in my life right now. I have a business. I said, if that gets in the way, that has to go. Not just me, okay? Things that me and my wife have talked about that our desire more than anything is to, to, to help people here. To grow in the Lord. Listen, I'm not interested in getting you religious. That's the last thing I want to do. I was, I was saying last week when I was talking about, you know, our communication with God. It's not how, how fancy you can pray. It's not how many words you can use. It's whether you fellowshiping with God or not. And it done something because I realized something. God, am I really fellowshiping with you? Worship has been a thing that's been really in my heart a lot. I sit in my chair. I'm not lying to you. My wife's sitting there. I sit in my chair and I start thinking of a song and the Spirit of God just comes. Because I'm finding myself wanting to be close to Him. And I started examining some stuff about my life, my attitude. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Listen, I was driving this week. I had a big job we were doing and be honest with you, I don't like to go work in Lafayette. It's just too much 
nervous people, people going back and forth, cutting out in front of you. I said, I was real agitated. For three days, my wife, I'll tell you, I stayed on that job hauling stuff off. For three days, I come back, I was just agitated. I'll be, I was, I'd anger God. I got to believe you. I was just frustrated and aggravated. That's not what the Lord wants for me. And I had an incident Friday where I had to change the brakes. And man, I did this changing brakes about 15 times already. I had a little spring I had to hook. I couldn't get it hooked for nothing. An hour. I, I said, man, what's going on with me? God's teaching me. <laughs> Patience. Endurance. Come on. And I started seeing God. I need some, I, I, I want some attitude changes in my life. Right? I need to trust, I feel the Holy Ghost. I need to trust completely in your purpose and will for my life. Jan said, Laney, why don't you get out from the truck and pray? I said, I got to do it. If I get out, I'm not going back. <laughs> That's just how I am. I got to fix it. The old French word, Ted do, hard head. I, I ain't learned it yet, right? <laughs> But it's, it's, it's something I want. I want the patience, endurance. I want to be able to be, let God do it, right? I'm going to read some stuff to you, okay? Verse 3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? Well, I, I started reading on it. I'm going to show you what I got, okay? The word taken from the Greek meaning to crouch. How many believe you ever started... To crouch. It can mean lowly, uh, afflicted, helplessness, powerless to solve problems. Lacking wealth, education, or begging. Is there a problem or situation in your life that is beyond your control? <laughs> what happens when that happens? Are you reduced to begging God for help? God promises to help the poor in spirit. You see, that's what a poor in spirit is. It's somebody that's helpless. Somebody that doesn't seem to have control of a situation where he depends on God for help. You got where I'm coming from? Where he reaches to the Lord to get the answer and solve the problem. That's the promise of God. He wants to help those that are poor in spirit. He wants to help those that are or, or seem destitute and can't find an answer and can't find a, a solution to the problem. I'm, listen, I'm like that sometimes. I was like that Friday. Till God intervened and taught me something, okay? Listen, brothers and sisters, I'm still learning. Believe me, I'm learning a lot. Probably more than I've ever learned since I've been a Christian. That if my help is not in the Lord. You know the verse that comes to mind to me? And I, I, I have my little place by my window in the morning. And I could still, the first verse that comes to me, Lord, I lift up my eyes unto the heavens from which my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. My God, I feel that. And I'm realizing that I'm very powerless to do the things I need. I need God's help. I can't let pride get in the way and say, well, I can do it. I don't need nobody to help me. Yes, you do. A broken and a, I mean, a, a, a poor in spirit. Don't ever get to the place, brothers and sisters, you can't lift your eyes to the hell, to the heavens from which your help 
comes from. Because believe me, if you don't do it, God's going God's to get you in a place where you're going to have to do it. I was talking to a man yesterday, me and Janice, and he's in the hospital. And I know he's not right with God. But he said, what? I said, I see his, I said why am I going through this? I said, I said, sometimes God's got to get you in a place where you don't want to be to get your attention. You understand that? And sometimes God's got to put you to where you're going to pray. Come on, somebody. Where you know you can't get this answer outside of him. That's a tough one, but it's true. Today, learn to be poor in spirit. Trust completely in the Lord and let him help you. My God, I feel that, Mom. I feel the the Holy Spirit saying that. Let God help you. Let God deliver you. Let God give you the strength. I know we heard that all our Christian life. But do we really understand that God wants to take care of you? He wants to, he wants to solve your problems? Now they got people that go off and make problems for themselves just to say they're doing it. But for us that are loving the Lord, that want to serve God with our lives, whatever comes your way, let God, let God do it. And it says in verses, uh, verses uh, uh, 4, Blessed are they that mourn. That word means to wail. This is deeper than sadness. It says, it is a, dis- uh, it is a despond and despair. Do you know anyone who's crushed with disappointments of life? God promised to comfort you. I like that. Anytime you're going through trials and disappointments and failures, anytime you're facing things that bring you down, God is a comforter. I'm going to shock you. Christians are going to face that. Christians are going to face disappointments. They're going to face discouragements. They're going to face tribulation. The Bible says it's impossible that tribulation will not come, but woe unto them. By whom. You know what I'm saying? It's going to happen. You're going to face a time where you're going to feel discouraged and despair and feel like the world is coming against you. But God is there to comfort you. He's there to strengthen you. Look to the heavens, like I said earlier. Look to heavens where your help comes from. I had a little, there's years I've been telling people that, but I'm going to say it again. But I had that little place where I prayed in the morning, and I needed an altar, brother. I want to build me. Years the Lord said, I want you to build you a little altar. Put it in that spot. And no, I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I kneel on it, Jared. I made it out of wood. It's got a cushion on it. Old-fashioned altar. I start by asking the Lord to give me this day my daily bread. I thank Him for the manner I'm going to get that day. And I make my request unto Him. There are some things that are very, very dear to my heart. First of all, my wife. First thing, my sons and daughters. I don't want to see them perish. I don't want to see them. Listen, we're getting close, brothers and sisters. I believe Jesus is coming. I believe, I told Janice that this morning. You, know, you realize that we've been married 42 years? 
I said, there ain't no promise we're going to be alive 40 years from now. Unless the Lord comes back. I said, my desire is to make sure I leave my wife with something, my children with something, and not money, but something that can hold on to eternal life. I want to bring something into their lives that's going to change them inside. That their hearts will be right to meet Jesus when he comes. But blessed are those that mourn, those that weep, those that cry out to God. It says in verse 5, blessed are the meek. Meekness means humility and gentleness of spirit or mild disposition. A meek person is one who trusts God and accepts the daily circumstances as, God, as God's best for them. Even if the situation in their lives are painful, frightening, and frustrating or annoying. Two of the most powerful people in the Bible, Jesus and Moses, was considered the meekest of all. Right? See, we don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't take pain very well as Christians sometimes. We want to blame everybody, blame God, and blame this one. It's that, that one's fault. Listen, sometimes it'll happen. I rejoice when I feel the peace of God. I mean, I was sitting this, this morning, I was selling Janice. We are sitting drinking some coffee over there. And I, I've been asking the Lord, I want your peace, God. The spirit of peace just came on me. I just felt it. I, I, I rejoiced. I take, don't take for granted when God gives you that peace. Hold on to it, praise God. Hold on to the comfort. Hold on to the, the presence of the Lord because that's the strength I'm gaining right now. Believe in, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you right now, and I ain't lying to you, that's been my source lately. Nothing else. My source has been fellowship, fellowship with God and knowing that He hears me and He wants to fellowship with me. Worship is a whole lot easier now. I can, I can, I can hear God. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I could hear him like this morning, last night. I could hear him. Say, so, son, are you going to do my will? Are you going to do my will? That's all he was telling me. Are you going to follow my way? And I realized that doing God's will is going to be painful sometimes. It ain't going to feel good. It ain't going to be accepted by a lot of people. Doing God's will is going to cause sorrow. But at the end, it brings a fruitful joy, rejoicing of peace. Knowing that God is on your side. That God is with you. Don't look to me for your answer. Look to Jesus. Don't look to this church. Don't look to any church. Look to Jesus. He has the answer, right? To be meek is to be gentle. To be humble. Person who trusts in God and accepts whatever circumstance it is to that. As long as you know you're right with God, whatever comes your way, you can overcome it. You hear what I'm saying? You can overcome it. You'll have victory. You know that you're different. You know your life has changed. And you've grown. You've learned to, listen, I can go through this. And the Lord will give you a season of rest. And all of a sudden comes the test again. Oh. 
Boy, if it's like a lot of preachers say, well, you just come to Jesus and everything will be all right. You will never have no more problems. You have all the money you want. All of, everything you look for is going to be there. That ain't true. I wish it was, but it's not. Sometimes following God is a little uncomfortable. Sometimes, sometimes doing God's will is uncomfortable. Listen, when you get up in the morning and go to church, it's uncomfortable, right? <laughs> you don't want to get up. But when you get here and the Spirit of God is moving and God is speaking, when the Holy Ghost is speaking into your life, you're saying, man, I'm so glad I came to church this morning. Right? I'm so glad I, I made a choice to do what is right. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. If there's no desire for righteousness in your life, if there's no desire for living a holy life, there's no desire getting close to God to know God's will, then you, 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 you don't have Jesus, I know people get dry. I, I get dry sometimes. I'm not, I'm not saying we don't get like in a valley because I get in a valley. I picture my valley like this sometimes, the old cowboy movies. <laughs> you know, you see them old ghost towns and see them old tumbling weeds coming through the... <laughs> they got a bank there, but there's no money. <laughs> they got a doctor's office, but there's nobody to do the service. I feel like sometimes it's dry. But i got to remember the Lord's word. Get your eyes toward the heavens from which your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. i got to remind myself of the word of God. If you, you know what I'm saying? God shall supply all your needs according to his riches, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. i got to remember the promise of God. And it brings me back to where I need to be. I'm going to tell you something, and listen to me real good. If you hear anything, you can't not make it without that book, without the Word in your life. Listen, go, listen. I, I, going to church is wonderful. I thank God for it, but it's still not enough. You've got to take that book and believe it. You've got to believe what it says and apply it because God is not going to slack concerning His promises. As some men count slackness. The Bible said, God is rich in mercy, He's rich in grace, and He's rich in provisions. And He's able to take care of anything you have. When you was a baby, somebody had to change your diaper. When you was a baby, somebody had to feed you, right? Somebody had to make sure you didn't put your finger in the socket. Somebody had to make sure that you didn't touch something to hurt you. But as you, as you grew up, you started realizing, I don't need my mama to tell me not to put my finger in the socket because I know better now. I don't need my mama to change my diaper because I'm out of diapers. I don't, drink, I don't, I don't have to suck a bottle anymore because I can feed myself, right? You know what? I, I've, I've gotten to it. I told Janice that I'm the pastor here, but I can't go to your house and make you serve God. I can't go to your house and tell you what you need and need. I, I can only tell you what the Bible says. The Word says you have to do it. And if you got a, you got a hunger for God, you're going to do it. If you got a hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're going to do it. 
Because you're his child. Because you are special in his eyes. He loves you. Come on, somebody. I said, Jesus loves you. And he's watching over you. But I realized something being married for a while, it takes two ways to have communication. It takes fellowship between me and her to make our marriage work, right? A husband and wife that doesn't have fellowship has a dead marriage. Come on, somebody. It's not going to work. Or they might stay together, maybe. But it's just going to be cold. There'll be no compassion. There'll be no, no affection. My brother Mike was alive. I went, I told him, I said, you know, brother Mike, I still hold my wife's hand. <laughs> I still kiss her. He said, that ain't normal. <laughs> I know he was joking. And for me, it is. Because I still like it. Praise God. Because me and, me and my wife, we fellowship. Man, we communicate. We talk about the Lord. We worship together. Right? And I don't have to make it up. She'll tell you the same thing. Where there's no fellowship, there's no communication. Where there's no going and, and seeking God for these things. If you're seeking righteousness, there's going to be a fellowship with the Lord. There's going to be. All right. Blessed are the merciful, for they will show mercy. They'll have mercy, show mercy. Now watch. Years ago, I heard a story, and, and, and it was about, it's in the scriptures, where a preacher brought this out, and he was so right. You remember the story of the man that owed a big debt? And the Bible says that he went to the king. And the king was going to sell his, everything he had and sell his wife and children and the debt be made. And he, he begged the man, he begged the king and actually, please, give me a little time. I'll pay you everything I owe you. And all of a sudden, the king said, had compassion on him and forgave him, right, of all of his debt. This same man that maybe got forgiven of millions of dollars, maybe. They estimate probably was in the millions. Went find a man that owed him $20 and grabbed him by his throat and you pay me what you owe me. So getting the man to ask him, just like him, give me a little time, I'll pay you. So I can give you, he threw him in jail. Back then in those days, if you owe the debt, the, the, the debtor can put you in prison. Threw the man in jail for 20 bucks. Went back, somebody heard what happened, went to tell the king, the king pulled him. He said, I forgave you all of that debt. And couldn't you forgive your brother this debt? So you know what happened? The king grabbed him and put him in prison until all the debt was paid. You had the mercy, man, but you wouldn't give it. When I mean, you could have done it, right? You could have given the, 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 the man mercy. My God, I, you hear what I'm saying? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Here you are, forgiven all this multitude of death, and you can't forgive somebody for 20 bucks. That's pitiful. How much did Jesus forgive you of? Ooh. 
Listen, I, I, I don't talk to my kids much about my past life. Seriously. I don't want to, you know, what I was before I give my, Lord, my heart to Christ. I almost destroyed my wife. She was still staying in and she was, she was, she was believing God. And I was living like hell. But the story is one day I was going out. It's a young man. I was not even 20 years old maybe. Remember? I was driving down the road and I heard a voice tell me, where are you going, son? It hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, yeah. And I said, where am I going? What is, what is there out there for me? I had a young baby. My wife was, you know, crying to God for me. My Lord, I went back home, asked her, and we made a decision to come to this church. <laughs> and it's changed my life forever. You look at people, how much has God forgiven me of? A whole lot. A whole lot. He's washed my sins as far as the east is from the west. Everything that was taking me to hell, Sister Ethel, he forgave me. What has sent me in torment forever and ever and ever, he forgave me. What kind of Christian would I go do if I wouldn't show mercy? The other day, they had a man, I was, I was hauling some material for him. I'm not getting all. I just want to tell you what happened. We hauled like 15 loads of material. The last load he told Isaac, I ain't paying you. We're talking about money, a lot of money. My wife's going to tell you. I said, this man robbed me. He stole my money. We did something that we was asked to do. And we came to collect. We couldn't do it. So one of his relatives came to my house, tried to pay a little bit of it. And the Holy Spirit said, you forgive him that debt. Let me tell you, in a little business like we got, you don't forgive much debt because you can't afford it. And I, I did what God said, and I said, Lord, I said, I'm going to forgive him of the debt. I'm talking about hundreds of dollars. <laughs> And, you know, we had to get out. We had to forgive in our heart, y'all. We had to forgive it. And I said, listen, this is our life, man. That's why we make our money. You don't give the money away that, that me and my wife had to give away. But I'm learning mercy. You understand? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Forgive me my debts, Lord, as I forgive debts, those indebted to me. Learning how. To understand the heart of God. Come on, somebody. Learning how to, listen, I was telling somebody yesterday. Listen, God's thoughts are not my thoughts. God's ways are not my ways. He does things that we might not understand. But it brings the fruitful works of righteousness in us every time. Every time I've obeyed God, I'm not lying to you. Things change in my life. I saw God in a whole different light. I drew closer to him. Every time I, I did what he, he told me to do. Forgive those you, that are indebted. Those that you are bitter and have an unforgiveness toward. God forgave you. If you don't forgive men their trespasses or their sins, God is not going to forgive yours. That's what the Bible says. 
It says, blessed are the pure in heart. Now I like this one, okay? For they will see God. This is a person approaching life with innocence and blamelessness. Good person. You look at their lives, you can't see things that are, you can't see anything wrong with them. They just got the nature of a pure heart, good heart. They'll do anything for anybody. They'll help anybody. You just see the nature of wanting to be a servant. You get what I'm saying? And they see life different from a whole lot of people. Because they understand that they're, Jesus said it the best when he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Someone that cares about people. Somebody that, and I, I, think, about, I think about Daniel. When the, uh, the, the, whatever they call him, the soothsayers of, of Babylon accused him. They couldn't find nothing wrong with him. They made a law that if anybody had prayed to any other god but Darius, the king, that they should be thrown in the lion's den. And that's what caused Daniel to be thrown in the lion's den because he was not going to let man's law stop him from seeking God. So he disobeyed the king's law and he prayed. His, they couldn't find anything wrong with Daniel, only that he prayed to God. I was, that, was the, that was the only thing he come up with. Only that he, <laughs> he prayed. That's why he got thrown in the lines then. He had a pure heart. They couldn't find him a conspiracy. They couldn't find him a betrayal. They couldn't find him going against the king. Nothing like that. All they found against Daniel is that he prayed to his God. That was it. That's what got him in the lines then. Pure heart, innocent, man, blameless, couldn't find no fault with him. Blessed are the peacemakers. This is one of, the, <laughs> this is one of my wife's favorite verses. Because when she sees strife happen, she said, all she gets up and says, blessed are the peacemakers. <laughs> Bless, they shall. <laughs> they shall. Well, come on, Jane. You don't know what's going on. Yes, she does. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called the children of God. These are the people who want peace. They do not stir up fighting or arguments. They do not look for reason to complain. Oh, Lord, I'm, already, I'm guilty already. <laughs> Do not look for reason to complain or to say bad things about others. If you read in James 3.18 says, Peacemakers who sow in peace shall reap the harvest of righteousness. Right? You know, the years growing up in the church, I saw some, some trouble. You know? But I like to see a person say, I just want unity. I had Brother Mike share with him one time. He, he, I said, Brother Mike, how, how you take all of that stuff? He said, Lanny, I said, I want unity. If I got to swallow some stuff, that stuck with me for years because there's a, there, there's a preaching in that. Wanting to see God's church work right, 
Wanted to see God's church work in unity and peace. That's the gospel. That's the message. And you're going to have people in this church and a lot of churches cause trouble. It's going to happen. Right now, I'll tell you the truth. I think right now I feel a good unity in our church. Seriously, I do. People love each other. They want to help each other. They pray with each other. I'm not going to say trouble's not going to start sometime. But for right now, I'm just enjoying it. Seriously, I, I really am. Because I want to see unity. I want to see people, you know, being at peace with one another, loving one another, sharing with one another, praying with one another. That's so important. That's why it stuck to me when I was young over here, when I was going through that time where I had that accident with that man, I passed on him with my, that big machine and killed him, man. I didn't kill him, but he, you know, he died. If I wouldn't have had people of this church praying for him, I don't know where I'd be. I tell people that all the way, everywhere I go. I said, if I wouldn't have had people of God praying for me, I remember Brother Kuhn calling me, Brother Lane, we're praying for you. Man, that did so much to me. So much. All the men and women who was in this church, they were praying for me. I felt it. Me and my wife needed it. So I, if I wouldn't have had that, I, I, I might not even be here. That's how hard it, it hit. But God gave me victory to people that loved me and prayed for me. Hallelujah. And that does something to me, praise God. I don't know about y'all. That's, that's what I want for this little church, that we can work in unity, peace among each other. No, I'm not perfect. No, you're not perfect. But I love to be around people that desire God. I'm just, I'm just like that. I, Years I sat, I, we, we, we come to church and I saw, I saw it, man. I saw people love Jesus. I saw people want to serve God. And it did something for me. Till today, I still feed off of it. I remember it, okay? And I remember the, the peaceable works of righteousness that happened after it. Blessed are the peacemakers. Father, actually, are you a peacemaker? Are you somebody that wants to not see strife? It says, the next one is, blessed are the, per blessed are, are you, let me start again. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You remember I said a little while ago that persecution is in your map. You're going to go through some, some tests. You're going to go through some trials. You're going to feel like nobody's nobody cares for you. You, know, you feel like you're in it by yourself. Now, that, that's destitute. I mean, feeling like, where's God? How many of you ever felt like that? Don't lie. You ever ask yourself, where's God? Why? Why? Well, where are you, Lord? Listen, the Lord spoke to my heart about this little church and said, son, you just keep plowing. That's all I'm responsible for, to plow, to plant the seed. He'll bring the fruit. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? He'll bring the fruit. Just plow. 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 Forgetting those things that are behind, pressing forward for those things that are ahead. I told that story that one day when I was running that same machine, I told you about a big old uh, motor grade on, 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 for the highway department. I could still see myself. I'm on the side of the road. You ever saw those things blading the side of the road when they leave that little levee? But I was, I was looking 
As long as I kept my eye on the blade, Jerry, I did good. <laughs> as long as I kept my eye on the blade. See, the minute I look back, <laughs> that machine would do this. <laughs> I had to back up <laughs> and start again. I said, Lord, this is what faith's like sometimes. As long as we keep our eyes on the blade, as long as we keep our eyes on the plow, and don't look back, and plow, 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 I'm going to bring fruit. I'm not going to keep you too much longer. But those that are persecuted are plowing. They're plowing. These are the people tested, harassed, Harmed or bothered by others because they choose to do what is right. They choose to serve Jesus. Jesus said, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, how many know that verse? They will persecute you. John, 10, 15, John chapter 15, verse 20, he said, rejoice in the day and leave for joy because great is your reward in heaven. You will have great reward when you suffer for the Lord. Oh, I don't want to suffer for the Lord. Let me tell you something. When you're living for the Lord, you're opposite of the world. The world doesn't think like you. When you're serving the Lord, they don't have the same views you have. They're going to get angry when you're going to say it's sin. You shouldn't be living that way. You shouldn't be walking that way. You shouldn't be following that way. I had one time I was delivering some gravel, man. I, I, I pulled my dump truck up. There was two guys there. And, and I started preaching. One got real mad at me. Oh, man, he was mad. All I was telling him was what Jesus did in my life. I didn't criticize him. or I would just tell him, let me tell you about Jesus, what he did for me. And I was preaching. And he'd get angry. And I said, Lord, I'm coming home. <laughs> Lord, he was mad. Oh, And I never criticized him. I never said anything bad about him. All I said was, Jesus changed my life. The world don't want to hear that because they're lost. They have no peace. But the Lord said, you keep preaching. That little fellow was standing. He was just listening. He never said a word. I said, I'm hoping that day I'm going to see that little fellow in heaven. I said, man, I'm so glad you didn't stop preaching. <laughs> but God there and just, man, he was mad. To death. He was angry at me. Didn't holler at him. I don't remember raising my voice at him. I just told him what, what the Lord did in my life. They hate that. The world hates it because the world is lost. The world don't have peace. They're looking for everything else but Jesus. You can close your Bible a minute. And I want to read you some stuff that I wrote. We need, if you read from... Uh, Chapter 5 of Matthew to around chapter 7. Jesus gives a lot of instructions on how we ought to walk with him. And I'm just going to just paraphrase and just go through it for you real quick. I'm going to take it for a few minutes. The Beatitudes is a, is a message that a lot of Christians don't want to hear. Because it tells you what God expects of you. Right? It tells you that this is the things that God wants in your life. And I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about me. Okay? 
There's instructions that Jesus gives from chapter 5, and I encourage you this week if you can, go read from chapter 5 to chapter 7. There's so much in that, those three chapters, of two chapters, oh no, three, that tells us how he expects us to live and how our testimony is to be in the world. I don't want to just go out there and act religious or act safe. I want to be, I want to be a testimony, right? That I want it to be what I am. I want it to be how my life is. If I tell somebody about Jesus, it's, it's going to be about my, my walk with him, right? My testimony. And a lot of people go out there, I'm going to prove to somebody I'm saved. I'm going to tell them what I did and where I went and how. That don't prove anything. It's not going to prove, uh, uh, it's, it's knowing that when you, test of, when you give a testimony about Jesus, that it's in your heart. That your main goal is to share Jesus with a lost soul. That you want to be saved. 1st 13 of Matthew chapter 5 says, you're the salt of the earth. <laughs> if the salt has lost its flavor, where will it be? When Christians are gone, Jared. When, when Christ comes back to get his church, there will be no salt on the earth. Now, I believe people will get saved during the tribulation period. But the salt, the, the only thing that's stopping the Antichrist from revealing himself and doing what he wants to do is a, a praying church. A church that believes the Lord. That can stand against him. Right? That's the only thing that's stopping hell from being released right now. You know, most people, I'm a, I'm a preacher, but I believe I'm a, we're going before the, you know, before the Lord comes back. That's just me. But there's, no, there's nothing in this Bible that says we're not going to suffer before that happens. Not going to face persecution, right? I thank God for, I like, I like the story of Corey Tamboon. This lady endured a lot. You know, she was a Jewish lady in the Holocaust. And she stayed in, and she, listen, that was quite a lady, man. She didn't give up her fate. Her family was killed, persecuted, slaughtered, but she never let go of Jesus. Never. You can get the movie, you can watch it on YouTube or something, but what a, what a story. You want to be solved. When they see you, they have to see something different. You understand what I'm saying? They have to see something different. They have to look at you and see there's something different about them. And we have to be a testimony for Jesus. If you read from Matthew 5, 21 to 22, whosoever, and I like this one because it's a lot of times we don't understand, whosoever's anger with his brother without a cause is a murderer. Listen, you get angry, you hold unforgiveness. There's no reason. Now, listen, people do you things, and you have to forgive them. That's not helping them as much as it's helping you. Because unforgiveness hurts you. It doesn't hurt them as much as it hurts you. Because it leaves a bitter feeling. It, leaves a, it, it's, it hinders your fellowship. I, I know I've been through that stuff. When I held unforgiveness, I couldn't pray. I couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't fellowship with God. But when I released it, 
I, I had no animosity. I had no unforgiveness. I had none of that. It was none of it. It was gone. I felt like a million dollars. Man, I felt, I felt born again, born again. <laughs> Seriously, it was just a freedom, man. Other than my salvation, that was some of the best things I've ever felt. I forgave people. Because it works. It works. 27 and 28 talks about adultery in their people's hearts, you know. Uh, Jesus made it very clear that anybody commits adultery sins against, but, but if they look at a woman to lust after them, or a man, you've committed adultery in your heart. Listen, my wife is my wife, or your wife is your wife. That's who you belong with. I'll tell somebody, get your eyes off. One time we was in Walmart, somebody was hitting on her. In the, in the checkout line. <laughs> I said, wait a minute, hold up. <laughs> I was going to fight, man. Mm-mm. She's mine. I used to pick on about, you, you remember uh, Charlene on uh, Andy Griffith? <laughs> and she said, Janice, Charlene. Uh, <laughs> and she'd get jealous for Charlene. I said, she's not real. <laughs> One day we went in uh, the grocery store and a lady said, boy, you sure are handsome. I thought, I thought she might have been drunk to start off with. <laughs> Guess what her name was? <laughs> I'm not lying. Janice said, she, he's mine too. She's going to fight, man. Jealous. <laughs> no. You got, you got a wife to take care of. You got a husband to take care of. Love him with all your heart. Don't get your eyes on somebody else. Jesus is giving this warning, though, seriously. about It says in uh, chapter 5, verse 42, to love your enemies. Go to your enemies. Give them water. Give them food. By doing that, you're going to heap a coal of fire and conviction on their head. 6, chapter 1, Matthew says, When you do your charitable deeds, do it not unto man, but unto God. Anything you do, don't be looked to get praise for it. <laughs> don't look to be a, like the Pharisees. They walked around and they, they prayed in the streets. and want everybody to, to look at them. These are holy men of God. But the Lord had a different story. He says, when you do that, go in your closet. When you give, give it in secret. Don't let nobody know what you're doing. Chapter 6, verse 16 talks about fasting. When you fast, don't do it before man, but do it before God. Don't sound a trumpet. Say, look, I'm fasting. I'm on a 40-day fast. No, you don't do that. And I'm just going through this real quick. I'm almost finished, seriously. You need to go and read. Sit down, seriously. Take this week and read chapter 5, 6, and 7. And you're going to see what Jesus wants for you. I've read it over, Jared, over and over, over again. But started seeing some things, all right? Started seeing it. What God wanted for me, okay? Numbers chapter 6, verse 19 of Matthew says, Don't lay up yourself treasures on this earth. Come on. We're too busy trying to build our kingdom here like we're going to be here forever. We're not going to be. Nothing wrong with, you know, taking, saving for your family. But don't expect to stay here. Your treasures are going to die here. The treasures you store up are going to be left here. 
But your treasures that you put in heaven is going to last. Chapter 6, verse 24 says this. You cannot serve God in mammon or money. Don't let your life be about money. Money's fine. I mean, no, nobody says you can't make money. Believe me, I have to make a lot of it to make it. <laughs> but it's not your God. You can't place it above your commitment and your walk before the Lord. When I first got in business, I told somebody that we were making me and my wife a lot of money. Oh, we had some money. And I started saying, well, I'm, I'm looking like I'm doing pretty good. Or I, I started saying, well, we're we going to live good now. All of a sudden, it started draining out. I said, it drained out a lot. Because I was putting my faith in what I had in the bank and not in God. Come on, somebody. Thank God he still provides for us. But I had to learn a hard lesson. Right? He also tells us in chapter 6, verse 25, not to worry. Don't, don't take no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow won't take thought for the things of itself. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 5 tells us not to judge one another till we take the, the plank out of our own eye. Right? Doesn't say you couldn't judge. Just say you better make sure you're not judging what you got in your own life. So easy to condemn somebody else when we're doing the same thing, right? That's self-righteousness. That's what that is. Don't judge others till you've, cl you've cleared it out of your life. Chapter 7, verse 13 says, tells us to walk the narrow path. And I always like to use this as an example. How, how narrow is your faith? And I want to use this little, uh, listen, I have no problem doing this, right? <laughs> but when I do this, <laughs> it's a lot harder. Because it's the path a lot narrow. See, the world's path is wide. The religion's path is, well, you can, you can be saved and do whatever you want now. You, you're under the blood. The religion says you can, you can drink and lie and cuss and do, and don't matter. No, yes, it does matter. It's sin. And the straight and narrow path is where you live a, a sin-free life. Don't tell me we, nobody can do it. Yes, you can. You know what sin is? Sin is a rebellion against God. But if you want to please God, he'll set you on that path straight, that straight path. You hear what I'm saying? If you want to please God, you're going to walk that straight path. You're going to realize that is the most important thing you can do is serve God with your heart. People that want to serve God with their heart or walk the straight and narrow path every time. I'm on the straight and narrow path. Do I waver sometimes? Yeah, but I got to get back on line. I got to get back on the path. Chapter 7, verse 15. It says, you know a false Christian by the fruit they bear. Now something that she, if Jesus said not to judge and then turn around and said you know them by their fruits, then he'd be contradicting himself. You have to know when somebody is not really a Christian. See, I actually use that when, you know, beyond yokely yoke, but together when, you, when, you're, when you're trying to yoke up with unbelief, when you're trying to yoke up with things that doesn't please God, but Christians that don't please God call themselves a Christian. You know what? I could believe in my heart. I could look at everyone in this room. I, I, I think you know the Lord. I don't. I, love, I mean, I, in my heart, I love y'all. There's sometimes we go, to, we go astray. We get off that straight and narrow path. But you get back on it before it's too late. But to desire God. See, a lot of people 
Think, well, he talks in tongues, he's saved. No, he's not saved because he talks in tongues. He's not saved because he, he can shout or, or she can shout or they can jump a pew. That don't make a Christian saved. I like to look at the one that's on that narrow path. says, I'm going to serve God no matter what. And you know the Spirit of God is leading them, right? You know the Spirit of God is teaching them. And you know. Let me go on, okay? I'm almost finished. You can stand up if you want. Let's stand up. I'm going to pray with y'all. I'm going to finish reading these last few, and I want you to think about this a minute. Verse 7 to 21 says, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of God. That's the most scariest one of the whole thing. Not everybody that calls himself a Christian that says, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of God. You know why I believe? Because some of them are trying to serve God for the wrong reasons. They're not serving Him to live a consecrated life in fellowship with Him. 24 to 28, we are to build our house upon the rock, not on the sand. You can't build a house on sand. You build it, it will be destroyed. The first time a rains will come, storms will come. Listen, even if it's on a flat ground, the water's going to get underneath, underneath that pad. And after a while, it's going to start sinking. You know, I was doing a job Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And these guys were digging. He said, I just need seven loads of dirt. But he kept digging. The ground was soft. He kept digging. I, I didn't move 17 loads of dirt. When it was, it was, because the more he dug, the ground, softer the ground it was. He wanted to try to get down where it's hard. You don't want to put nothing on mud, right? Or something soft. Jesus said, the man that built his house upon the rock, when the storms come, when the wind starts beating against it, it's going to stand. And from Matthew, and I, I, I read this, I said this a while ago, I'm going to say it again. From Matthew chapter 17, know, chapter 5 to 7, Jesus is telling us how we should be before him first and before the world on how we ought to walk. You remember how, uh, Jesus said it in Luke chapter uh, 22, 42. I put this down. Not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. And I thought about that, Jared, man. I, thought, I said, that's where it hit me. When God said, are you going to do my will? You're not here to do this church's will. You're not here to do, you're here to do God's will. You're here to be, to, to learn, to grow. And Jesus is facing Calvary. The Bible said he, he had gotten so much anxiety and stress, the blood started coming out of his pores. That he was just like great drops of blood. He, and then he's praying. He's, he don't want to die. You understand what I'm, Jesus did not want to die. His flesh did not want to die. But he looked up to the Father. He said, Lord, if there's any way this cup can pass for me, let it be. But he said, not my will, but thy will be done. That'll preach, brothers. Elijah was on Mount Carmel, and he's having a, a battle with the 400 prophets of Baal. And he looked at the people. He said, you know what your problem is? Y'all betwixt two opinions. 
Y'all want to serve Baal and y'all want to serve God. Y'all want the world and y'all want the, want the gospel. Or you want Jesus and I'll, and I'll vernacular. Y'all want to serve God and y'all want, it says, choose this day. That'll preach, man. Who are you going to serve? If God is God, serve him. It's ba- if Baal is God, then serve him. Don't stay on the fence. You're either on one side or the other. Either for the Lord or you're for the devil. And you remember when Jesus was before Pontius Pilate? And he knew the Jews had delivered Jesus for envy. They envied him. They, they hated him. He exposed them. Then they bring out Jesus and Barabbas. Now, he's, Pilate wasn't a stupid man. He was a judge. He, he was a professional judge. He knew how to judge people. And he looked at him, he says, which one would you release, have me release unto you? Would you release Jesus, the king of the Jews, or would you let me release Barabbas to you? They said, we want Barabbas. Kill Jesus, crucify him. You know, I think a lot of Christians are making the same choice. No, they're kind of like, like the Jews I just read you. They betwixt, they want, they want both sides. You can't serve the Lord and the devil. You can't eat at the Lord's table and the devil's table at the same time. You have to make a commitment to Jesus and to serve him. Go back and read those Beatitudes and go back and read chapter 5, 6, and 7. You're going to find out. And look, read it like God's talking to you. <laughs> like he's saying to me. Right? You want to know what God's will is for your life? Go look. You'll find out very quickly. 